This is an RPPV production. We'd like to advise this podcast contains descriptions of disturbing violence. Listener discretion is advised. Normal people, Esther, don't just go straight to demonic infestation like we do. Because the government was also freaked out about the movies. They might be dealing with a demonic possession. Meanwhile, as she's on top of him, squeezing his throat, she's screaming, who sent you here? And they started to move towards her really fast. What are these? Australian aliens. Hey everyone! Hey everyone! It's season two! Welcome back to I Think My Fridge is Haunted! (laughs) (laughs) Yay! We're back! I'm so excited. We're back and we're beautiful and we're bold and we're bold and beautiful. We're bold and beautiful. Yes. Yep. Can I be Brooke? Oh, I don't know any. Can I be Cliff? I don't know you the can, characters. You can be Taylor. Can I be Kent? Wait, what there's are no what Cliff are the? There's no Kent. What are the men? They're really oh Ridge. Ridge. That, I knew it sounded like a Cliff. We're married now. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> but tomorrow I'll be married. Can to your it brother. all be smoky haze? Can it all be like foggy and? Isn't really- it always here? Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> now that Australian bu- is covered in bushfires and smoke and shit, it's always hazy. It's been a depress- depressing month while we've been away, hasn't it's it? It's been a shocker. It's been, 2020 it's been has a started heavy, off heavy January, really bad. Yeah, yeah. But now it's February and we're looking to the future. Anyway, well, what have you been up to in the the holiday break, mate? Uh, uh, I've been really busy because this is my busy time of year. So I've yes. just been working, working, working. Good. But I, I have cash. missed being in here. Although I will say I have been in and around the studio a little bit. I was on. Same. I was a guest um, on Matt's show who does yep. Drive. And we came in here to um, do, some filming, do some filming. Which you guys will all see. Hopefully. If it Hopefully. works. <laughs> um, if it doesn't work, we can just describe what we wanted to what do. What happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, have, we basically have an we have access to a TV studio here. Yeah, it's cool. So we thought we'd have some fun with the green screen. Yes. And, uh, yeah. and knowing our imaginations, it wasn't a simple task. <laughs> We're like, let's superimpose this and that yeah. and dismemberment and all this stuff. So yeah. we'll see how that turns yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, apart from that, uh, so we had our bushfire uh, fundraiser. Yes. We raised almost three thousand so dollars. I've got goosebumps right I know. now. It was such a good night. It was so a lot of it fun. Was, you know, I've got this great memory from that show being backstage, and at one point uh, before the show had started, mm. there was you know there's music on and yep. everything, and um, it was a Queen song. I think it was "Don't Stop Me Now," and. All the performers, there was like 15 performers in like various stages of undress, like, you know, one eyebrow on, wigs over there, blah, 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 blah. And it was hot, wasn't it? It was so hot. And everyone just started singing Don't Stop Me Now. And everyone was just kind of like all like, you know, swaying together and just singing at the top of their lungs. And it was just like this just really nice, nice backstage memory. I don't know where I was. Were you not there? I think I was... I don't know. I was probably out the back, like having I think a ciggy or something. The person that really led it, though, was that Queen something clutch. Um, Kiki? Kiki, me in the crutch. Yes. Kiki, me in the crutch. Yeah. 
Oh my god, she's incredible. So good. In Lots of fun. the death drop, I like, <laughs> I actually screamed. Like I was standing up the back and I just scr- and I slapped the cocktail bar because I was like, <laughs> there was a fair bit of drama that night. Actually, there was a like, lot of drama. Mama Louise accidentally, and I felt so bad. She felt oh, so yeah, bad. She mate, because she's a she's a thrower. Yeah, she when piffs she, her clothes. She piffs her clothes. She piffs everything, and she piffed. She's her. like Betty. And for you American people, piff is an Australian word. It, it means throw or chuck or throw, but it's like an aggressive throw. It's like dramatically, like it piff is like you throw, <laughs> like you throw, like you piff a ball. A thong. What sort of thong? No, a flip flop, like for your foot. Okay, well, in burlesque, you can. Piff, piff a thong, a thong. You, well, as in g-string yeah. yeah 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 but yeah she so she piffed her corset hits a table yeah knocks like a champagne glass over and this lady runs out crying crying and i was like oh my god what is going on anyway it just turned out this lady had a really bad day i don't oh. think it had anything to do with the performance it was she just, just the, the little tip of the edge yes it was yeah it was the straw that broke the camel's back the, i remember um, i was doing a performance once and i had this fully beaded one piece costume and it was really heavy and I I I took it off and then it landed at my feet and it was such a tiny stage I'm like I have to move that in my head while you're performing yeah. you know when you're like oh gotta move that because I'm that. about to do this yeah, and yeah, yeah. I shimmied it with my foot and I kicked it into a woman's br- like full to the friggin brim um <laughs> bottle of wine yeah <laughs> spilled the whole thing all over her all over my costume oh my god my cos- and and like she picked up her glass and everything but left my costume to soak in the <laughs> wine and i'm performing oh looking at my bead my hand beaded costume being like that is soaking in, sh- in champagne and i have to wear it again <laughs> for the same act in half an hour you oh do stupid god. stuff you do like stuff that like as you're performing you're just like oh my god yeah i can't believe that just happened but i can't stop i have to finish the act yep yeah <laughs> go up to them afterwards and apologize <laughs> yeah, <sorry>. yeah yeah <laughs> oh my god but it was god. really fun thank you everyone who came out um thank you marilyn thank you um the beautiful ladies at wonderground it was really fun it was a, it was a great night it was yep, a really, despite really the nice heat night. it was very very hot but uh, it was it was a really cool memorable night yeah it was fun i had yeah. so much fun backstage yeah. oh my god so good. much fun it was good yep anyway anyway do you have a fact from the freezer i do have a fact let me just scroll through my pages okay okay booby trap spelled backwards is party boob <laughs> i'm gonna tick that one off it's the most useless fact i've ever heard but it's it was pretty funny. great though isn't it that, that yeah that's a good icebreaker yeah isn't it <laughs> isn't it yeah oh my God. i'm gonna use it for my next job interview yeah do you go? Do you have so Esther? Do you have any skills? Um, yes, actually. Do you know booby trap spell backwards is party boob? Uh, you know, if you rearrange Santa, it says Satan. Oh. <laughs> is that a skill? <laughs> <laughs> There's sausage. Something. If you rearrange sausage, I think it spells like. Wait, I've got to spell it out. It's going to spell no- nothing now. Sausage or hot dog or something. Okay, E G A S U A. No, that doesn't spell anything. Hot dog. Sauce. Hot dog spells God. God tote. Nah, I don't know, guys. Anyway, what's your fact? (laughs) (laughs) 
We're still socially awkward. <laughs> Nothing's changed since season one. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. At the show, we were backstage and I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, because you were, you were staring <laughs> me. Okay. To set the scene, guys, I was in full Cath Day night drag. I had a blonde afro perm wig and i was covered i because i don't have any pores on my face i like you were sweating i'm like a waterfall i just drip (laughs) with sweat like full-on flow with sweat anyway Gemma's like looking at me really intensely and i'm trying to like put my pasties on i'm I'm wearing like this horrible lycra pant it's shocking and she's looking at me she's like so um for my birthday you know a few performers and myself are thinking about going to see true colors cabaret and i'm just like dude are you just boasting to me or are you inviting me like I've just come out of a tattoo studio, then gone straight to a gig. I'm covered in bepanthin. I'm hot. Sweat and bepanthin. <laughs> I'm like, just ask me. I'm We're, not good at this. But neither am I. We're I still socially We're awkward. We're so socially awkward. <laughs> so good. Talking about socially awkward before we get into the stories. Did you see Cats? No, you know what? I didn't bother. Dude. You walked out of it. Why I would walked I out of it? it. But holy goddamn. Have we not talked about this? No, we haven't. We literally just stopped Angelica recording. Oh, you have to see it. Have to see it. I was curious. It's ridiculous. Because people were like, oh, you can see the wedding ring. You, you can, can see, see everything. You, you can see, see this. Well, apparently it's re- it, they've finished yeah, no, the editing you, you now, You have to go and good. see the dodgy version. Who cares about the edited version? I'll have to see if I can get my hands on it somehow. It is ridiculous. It's like being on an acid trip. Oh, my God. Yep. That movie just sounds like such a fail. It is just the biggest fail. Of, it's going to be up there with The Room. Like, it's going to be like a cult <laughs> yeah. screening. People have to bring, like... Big, expensive fail. Massive. Judy Dench <laughs> is screwed. So is um, that, uh, that Taylor? Idris Elba. Oh, God, I can't believe Idris did cats. Yeah, it was weird. And they none of them had genitals, but they had, like, lumps. Like oh, insinuating, like yeah, like Barbies, and then like it was very sexual, like se- very heavy, heavy sexual undertones. Like there's a scene where Ian McKellen is drinking out of this, drinking milk out of this tray, and it's so sexual, and he's like, and it made like I. That's when I was like, oh, I gotta go, I gotta get it. <laughs> it was like he was licking a butthole. It was disgusting. Oh it was God. horrible. <laughs> Horrible. Well, that's interesting <sighs> that you brought up cats. And buttholes. Not so much. Okay. Because it actually kind of ties into my fact from the freezer. Oh, you haven't said your fact yet? No. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, okay, so the, it, it, it's a um, it's kind of a long one. <sighs> in the 1960s, a linguistics researcher studied what little was known about a dying Aboriginal language called the Babaram. Okay. That was once spoken near Cairns. He spoke to three Aboriginal elders who taught him about 250 words, but found that the language had not been spoken fluently for many decades. They found out that the word dog in this ancient language of Barabaram, mm. by coincidence, was dog. Wait, what? So this ancient Australian <laughs> language... Their word for dog is the same as our word for dog. That's weird. Isn't but that weird? Did Australia have dogs? Dingoes. Yeah, but were dingoes... Like, they could have pointed to Indingo and said dog. 
Yeah, look, that is weird. They're a wild dog. I thought dingoes. See, I thought dingoes were like a a a, a crossbreed. No, they're, from the they're early, native. Are they actually native? Mm. See, I was I, did, I was was heard that they were like they were a mix. No, I'm pretty sure. What would they be a mix of? It was like the Australian something and something. <laughs> I don't know. Bunyip. Yeah, it was the Bunyip, <laughs> and it was um Steve Irwin. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus. The um, Babadook. I I did the dingo experience at Hillsville Sanctuary once. Oh, Hillsville, my favorite. And do you know, I was like, yeah, because I love dogs and stuff like that. It was actually kind of scary. I got in there and I was like patting it and stuff. And I was like, this is literally a wild dog. Like yeah. this could tear me to pieces if it wanted to. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Oh yeah, I love dingoes. I think they're beautiful. They're amazing. Yeah, the, I, and I, I like love the ones seeing people from the that Alpine yeah. regions are like fluffy. It's the same with like I absolutely are obsessed with foxes. I think they are the most love foxes. beautiful creatures. Mm. The, the ones in Japan so that are like sneaky. gray and white, and the and have you heard them like bark and their little noises? They're like, no. Bah, 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 bah. I, I have no idea oh what my God. a fox sounds um, like. Look up on Instagram, I think, the Juniper. Juniper fox? Juniper, yeah, I follow Juniper. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh. So sweet. my God. Yeah. Plus the burlesque performer, Juniper Fox. Who's amazing. Is a babe. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we better get on with our... All right, let's do All right. Okay. All right, now... So, mine is not a heavy, heavy hitter. Mine is pretty heavy guys so do you want to get the heavy hitter yeah out of the i'm gonna way get first? i'm gonna get this one done <gasps> that puts pressure on me because i've been really paranoid about whether my my story is gonna be like good no well I, I think my story is awesome but i think your story will be awesome but um see i've known about this case for ages and i'm like you know this isn't that bad it's a really interesting case but mm. researching it i'm just like this is sickening really like i've i've heard other podcasts cover it i've done research previously and i'm like oh yeah you know it's really interesting it's like a really good um psychological profiling of a couple blah 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 um but now after actually researching it myself to present here i'm just like this will give me nightmares tonight wow so i finished writing it about an hour ago so there, it's still fresh. There has been stories that I've done like research on and I'm like, you know, I actually don't really want to do this anymore. Yeah, like, like I felt sick writing about it. Wow. I And I've got quite a tough stomach when it comes to like real heavy hitter stuff. I love learning about heavy hitters. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. But this, I was like, Ugh, I hate these people so much. All right. Well, let's start season two. What have you got? Okay. I have got the Barbie and Ken doll killers or the schoolgirl killer or um, Mm. the Scarborough rapist slash Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've I've heard them referred to as the Barbie and Ken killers. Yes. Yeah. And if you look at them, they are Barbie and Ken. They are. They're, um, they're traditionally handsome and beautiful Mm -hmm. i think they're both absolutely disgusting Mm -hmm. but if you didn't know them off the street they are literally blonde blue-eyed yeah um, so normal a young attractive couple exactly yeah they're disgusting and their wedding was just like the most fairy tale i'm pretty sure they had like a a horse and carriage it was like All a cinderella yeah. yeah but the the actual people they were are some one of the most evil like couples yeah up there with you know um ian brady and what's her face who was ian's myra myra 
Hindley and who are the other British? Oh, the Wests. Yeah, the Wests. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're pretty close, these two. Fred but they're American. And Rose. Fred and Rose. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. All right, let's get started. All right, Deep breath, everybody. Okay. All right, all right. All right. <clears throat> Paul Kenneth Bernardo was born 27th of August 1964 in Toronto by a wealthy family who would who had an abusive and dark history. His father, Kenneth, was abusive and in 1975 was caught fondling a young girl and was charged with child molestation as well as frequently sexually abusing his own daughter. Mm. Paul's mother had an affair with her old boyfriend and had Paul as the result. So a few few issues in the family. Yeah, like it starts off turbulent. Yeah. Yeah, definitely turbulent. Um, Kenneth Bernardo accepted Paul as his own, though, and um, Paul's mother soon became really depressed due to her husband's pedophilic actions. Oh, my God. Yeah. She knew? Yeah, well, he was, I'm pretty sure he was um, charged for it. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, and through this, she completely withdrew from society and she decided to live in the basement of their house. Oh, my God. Yep. Meanwhile, the father's being an absolute dick. Um, as the children grew older, they noticed while they were feeling the effects from their abusive and, you know, traumatic childhood, poor seemed completely unaffected. Quote, he was always happy, a young boy who smiled a lot, and he was so cute with his dimpled good looks and sweet smile that many of the mothers just wanted to pinch him on the cheek whenever they saw him. Mm. He was the perfect child they all wanted, polite, well-mannered, doing well in school, so sweet in his Boy Scout uniform. So it's a quiet ones. <laughs> At 16, he got into an argument with his parents when his mother finally confessed his actual parentage. After that, Paul was disgusted, referring to his mother as a whore and a slob. Oh, my God. Yeah. So you can start to see, like, the aggression and the disrespect towards women coming yeah. out. Yeah. Um, Paul eventually graduated from school, then went and worked for a place called Amway in the sales department. He dove deep, um, buying all he could of tapes and books with motivational get rich and famous propaganda well that's what amway was amway was like a pyramid scheme wasn't it yeah and you know they're a lot more common obviously they're a lot more common than we think but like um jackson worked for one for a brief time oh yeah and thankfully he didn't get sucked into it but like the interview was literally like you do as many hours you want and you make the money you earn and you know like we've had people that have worked here for 12 months and they're already making this much and this much right yeah, yeah. Amway and was very like much weird. like like, like, like couples would get into it wouldn't they but like in the 80s it's real weird yeah like yeah buy all the products i think they were the, like cleaning products or something there's ever now it's like super vitamins and shit and yeah 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 chris watts case yeah his wife yeah to- totally patches. totally i work with a lady who does vitamins mm-hmm. and it's a pyramid scheme yeah and I literally cannot talk right. about it because I want to kill marketing. myself. Yeah. <laughs> he used these techniques he found in the motivational crap to then test his <laughs> techniques on um, women in bars where he was often successful because he was like stereotypically good looking. Wow. Blah, blah, blah. Good with his words. I hate him. So like, <gasps> but like yeah. back in, you know, what was this? The 80s. It would have been like, damn. 
in shining armor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, by the time he started uni, he was developing a twisted sexual interest and enjoying humiliating women in public as well as physically abusing the women he dated. Milady. Oh, mate. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't thought of incels in a while. I'm still obsessed. (laughs) (laughs) No, they're disgusting. Um, In October 1987, he met his match, a blonde woman called Carla Homolka. They became obsessed with each other immediately, with Carla completely encouraging Paul's sadistic sexual taste, (laughs) even encouraging his serial rapes, which later gave him the title of the Scarborough Rapist. Jeez. Paul committed up to a reported 11 rapes on girls and women from 1987 to 1990, but I want to focus on the acts committed by both Carla and Paul as a couple. Mm -hmm. So um, he was a serial rapist. But I'm I'm gonna leave out the the rapes and I'm gonna talk about the crimes as a pair. Right. Yeah. Um, guys, go look this up because it is heavy. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want more details, once again, like we're not doing like a two part series on this, um, so I couldn't cover every detail. But um, go on Murderpedia. Um, that's where I got my info from. A lot of like the well-known uh, true crime podcasts cover it. Um, and they're always featured like in those books that you can get like killer couples. Completely. Like, they are always there. Yeah, they're always there. Yep. Yeah. YouTube, er- everything. Um, Carla was born in 1970 and grew up with her sisters in Ontario. Ontario? Ontario? Yep. Jeez, so she was really young when they met. She was like 17, Yeah, she was, she was a teenager. Wow. Yeah. Um, after finishing school, she worked at a pet shop, then moved to working as a vet nurse at, a, at multiple vet clinics. Multiple Ew. vet clinics. I wouldn't want one looking after my dog. Ew, no. During working in the clinics, she started stealing various drugs and medications. At 17, Carla met Paul, who was 23. They quickly got engaged. By 1990... Paul was spending heaps of time with the Homolka family, who loved him. He would constantly flirt with Carla's younger sister, Tammy, and soon became obsessed with her, spying on her through her bedroom window and sneaking into her room while she slept to masturbate. All the while, Carla helped Paul by pulling apart or breaking the blinds in Tammy's room to allow Paul access. This sounds so much like the Wests. It's disgusting. Like, she completely was 50 50 wow she was completely encouraging him to be a predator and she was a predator rose she met her partner when she was 16 17 yeah and like rose she had like a really average kind of upbringing like nothing really dramatic oh rose had a pretty dramatic upbringing. then i'm thinking of my myra you might be thinking of myra hinley yeah because she was yeah that's what i'm thinking about yeah she was like nothing like plain boring Wow. Yep. No Same with Carla. Abuse or anything like Not, that. Her wow. parents were lovely. Yep. So she was just born wrong. Yeah. It, I think Paul triggered something in her. Wow. Yeah. Now, guys, this is where a trigger warning is um, literally put out for the next 10 minutes. Like, okay. it is a big trigger warning. It doesn't get easy from here. Like, it, it is nonstop. On July 24th, 1990, Carla crushed Valium that she had stolen from the vet clinic into pasta that she then served Tammy. Her little sister. Her little sister. 
Yeah. Tammy soon passed out and Paul raped Tammy while Carla sat back and watched. Oh, my God. And Tammy's really young. Yeah, she's a kid. Um, I think she was like uh, 14 or something. Like she was a young teenage girl. Um, Carla was quoted as saying she wanted, quote, to give Tammy's virginity to Bernardo for Christmas because Paul was disappointed because he wasn't Carla's first sex partner. On December 23rd, 1990, Carla used anesthetics she stole from her work called Halothane. Along with sleeping pills, the couple spiked in Tammy's eggnog. While Carla and Tammy's parents slept upstairs, the couple brought the unconscious Tammy down to the basement where they stripped her and Carla proceeded to hold a cloth soaked with halothane to her sister's nose and mouth. Together, the couple videotaped themselves both raping Tammy. What the hell? Yeah, she took part in the rape of her sister. So she drugged her pasta and her eggnog. Yeah. Is that correct? She, and so, then yeah, so she, she crushed it. Valley and put it in spaghetti bolognese. Then she spiked the, her eggnog because it was close to Christmas. This kid had no chance. No, and then while they were raping her, she hel- she held a cloth full of <sighs> anesthetic over her face. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, like, her body was just pumped with drugs. Jeez. Yeah. Um, during the rape, Tammy began to vomit. She soon stopped breathing. The pair tried reviving her, and with no success, they dressed her body hid any evidence of foul play, then called 911. Um, They also dragged her from the basement back into Tammy's bedroom. A few hours later, Tammy was officially pronounced dead. Now, despite the strange behavior of Paul and Carla after the incident, with the two frantically vacuuming and doing multiple loads of washing and cleaning in the middle of the night, and despite the strange chemical burns found around Tammy's nose and mouth, the coroner and Carla's parents accepted the death as accidental, that Tammy was choking on her own vomit after getting too drunk off rum and eggnog. God. Yeah, like they didn't search her body for signs of sexual intercourse. Like, oh, 14 year old just dies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, she's drunk. It just drunk. Yeah. Old age. Yeah. <laughs> she's <laughs> natural causes. Yeah. Oh, no. It's no. Just, just an accident. She Seriously. just got too drunk. Um, following the death, Carla would dress in her late sister's clothes and the pair would film themselves having sex with Carla pretending to be Tammy. Yeah. Deep breath, guys. Yeah. You can see why this is friggin' hard to to do. I was just like, oh, my God. I see what you mean. Like, how we could have done a whole episode on this. Just a psychological breakdown. Yeah, completely. She is a danger and it it gets so much worse. She doesn't seem like she has any... No, she's completely under Paul's spell. Like, she's doing the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst. And just Committing doesn't seem to think sexual assault on your wrong. own sister, your younger sister. Like it's um, it is a new level of disgusting. I don't have words. No, you don't. You don't. Jeez. Yeah. Um. On the fifteenth of June, nineteen ninety-one, Paul was driving not too far from Toronto, stealing number plates from cars when he came across a fourteen-year-old Leslie McAfee. Because that's what I do on a Saturday night. I was doing it before I came to the podcast. I actually took both of your number plates and swapped them around. So good luck with that, Red Joe. (laughs) Pranks, pranks. Um, Back to the horrible story. She had, um, so Leslie Mahaffey had just left a funeral 
and found herself locked out of her house. Paul approached her and asked if he had any, and she asked him if he had any cigarettes. Paul led her to his car where he blindfolded her and drove her back to the couple's new house. Was he just waiting for anyone to come along? I, th- I honest, because this was like the first after Tammy, I think he was like, this is an opportunistic, um, there's a, 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 a young girl walking so by herself. He's just skulking about. Waiting yeah, he's for just someone. being a brat. And like, I don't so think happens. he was hunting for, for a victim. He literally was like, I'm out already doing dodgy shit. There's a chick by herself. Um, not only have I approached her, yeah. but she's super like, she's cause she, the actual report says he told her I'm out stealing number plate. No, no, no. Sorry. He's like, Hey, can you help me break into this house? And she completely like ignored the question and just went, Hey mate, do you have any cigarettes? So like, I think she kind of, cause she was, she was, on curfew anyway so maybe she was a bit of a like rebel and she just didn't really like maybe they'd locked her out because she missed curfew yeah well yeah well that's the thing she had been locked out because she was at a funeral uh, she'd miss curfew right yeah but um i don't like i don't know as far as socially maybe she was a bit like rebellious and she's like i can see this dude just but- like being a brat he, he'll probably give me cigarettes. So she follows him to the car yep. with the promise of cigarettes. Of cigarettes, yep. Um, Paul led her back to his car where he then blindfolded her and drove her back to the couple's new house. He informed Carla that they had, quote, a new playmate. The pair then proceeded to film the shared rape and torture of the teenager, all the while playing David Bowie and Bob Marley in the background. Which just, I don't know this. It's it's kind of like the Cleveland abductions too. How he used to play like, like jazz and reggae and stuff in the background mm. of like his abuse, and mm. it it makes like the whole genre of mu- music really sickening. Like, yeah, it's a juxtaposition of completely sort of chill out, happy music with something that's so disgusting. Yeah, like I love David Bowie. Yeah, but to think of that happening with a Bowie song in the background mm, makes the situation years. more like terrifying. Yeah. It just com- it turns like Bowie into a villain because it's so like the whole it's like the scene in Pulp Fiction when um <gasps> I know exactly what you're going to say. They they're downstairs and yes. they're being raped yes. and there's like my, one of my favorite burlesque blue songs are playing and like that song is so good to dance to but it's literally like played with you can hear them being sodomized yeah. in the background like they're yeah. crying out and that always is complete opposite yeah it just makes you feel sick mm-hmm. yet like the amount of burlesque performers that do like amazing strip tease of that song yeah it's just like such a huge it's a party song yeah yeah so- it's like it's a sexy song but you know, I thought Bowie was super sexy, but playing like his music during this was like really disgusting. Yeah, yeah. It was. He probably hated being associated completely. With it's it's the same with ACDC during Richard Ramirez. Mm. They were like, we don't condone mm. serial killing. Like, no, no way. You know. Um, anyway, um, on the tape recording that was played in court later on, it can be heard. 
with Paul saying, quote, you're doing a good job, Leslie, a damn good job. The next two hours are going to determine what I do to you. Right now, you're scoring perfect. The trial later heard Leslie screaming as Paul anally raped her, and it was said that during this, her blindfold slipped and she saw her abusers, which then, of course, led to, like, you know, they had to kill her. Yeah. Yeah. The day after this, Carla gave her a lethal dose of Halcyon or Halcyon. 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 Then Paul strangled her to death. Her body lay in the basement whilst Carla's family came over and ate dinner above the scene. Jeez. So they're literally like rape, torture, murder, bringing the family over for dinner. Wow. While the body it's is like downstairs. It's just part of normal life for them. Yep. After dinner, they dismembered her body and loaded the pieces into multiple bags of cement, which they then turned into like 90 pound blocks. Or kilogram, I don't know. In the basement, they did this. Yeah, and then they dumped the cement blocks into a river, like 45 minutes out from the house. Holy cow. Um, April 16th, 1992. So technically, they're both now serial killers because they've had a second victim over quite a long space of Mm -hmm. time. Yeah, I think they've got a few things under their belt now. I mean, we're talking rape, murder. Yeah. Uh, uh, abduction, bodily mutilation, um, dismemberment. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole, a whole list. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, interfering with the corpse. Yes, completely. Um, Paul and Carla were driving through St. Catharines, scouting for victims. So now it's very so premeditated. Yeah, it's becoming kind of some, just something that they they do now. Literally hunting. Um, they soon spotted a 15 year old student called Kristen French. The couple pulled over and Carla got out with a map, approaching Kristen, pretending <sighs> to be lost. That old bloody chestnut. Right. Because you trust a You trust couple. a woman. You trust, you trust a woman. Yeah. Ugh. It's just that it, it's Fred and Rose. Completely. I, I'm watching. I'm obsessed young, at the moment. Young, attractive couple. Yeah. Hey. Young couple. Young, like, cool looking couple. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm obsessed with this guy on the internet. I can't remember it. Predator Patrol, I think. And mm. it's literally like this young guy that um, pretends to be underage and talks to pre- uh, to pedophiles online and is like, <gasps> hey, do you want to meet up? I'm, you know, I'm only 15. Do you want to meet up at the park and stuff? And I went down this rabbit hole of these videos of this guy like dressing wow. up as a kid and then like approaching these men. But there's and being like dude i'm 28 like what you're doing i've got you on camera i've got all your text messages all your photos but there was this one episode where um a couple were were meeting up with this quote-unquote kid this girl yeah and the, the guy rocked up that was the real girl and was like He's oh, like, they thought they were talking to a girl they thought they were talking to right. like a 15 year old girl and yeah. then this guy who was the girl rocks meets them in the walmart or whatever and he's like this is a first time for me catching two predators where the main communicator and arranger was the the woman was the wife and turns out she was a sex trafficker (gasps) but like she used her friendliness and her being female to Mm -hmm. lure and like you'd go up to a woman i would if I was a teenager, I'd go straight up to a Do girl. You know, a lot of times, those those women, they're actually being trafficked themselves as well. Oh, she, yeah. It's a whole rabbit hole. Whole rabbit, yeah. Sex trafficking is a whole other 
Whole was, other story. Was that person that you were just talking about, were they mentioned on that podcast that we listened to, Hunting Warhead? No, God. Guys, listen to Hunting Warhead. It, was it amazing. is the best podcast I've ever heard, hands down. Um, I've listened to it twice. Have you? I'm obsessed with it. It was very interesting. Yeah. It's yeah. A, yeah. Guys, go on. I guarantee, like incredible it's yeah it's it's very interesting yeah it's heavy trigger warning but totally worth it yeah okay um we're up to the map so as Kristen looked at the map paul attacked her from behind forcing her into the car at knife point color forced her to sit by pulling her hair from behind the car seat so she was you know very much forced obviously Over three days during the Easter weekend, Carla and Paul videotaped the rape, sodomy and torture of Kristen. They forced her to drink alcohol, like heavy amounts of alcohol, as well as act submissive to Paul. On the fourth day, the couple murdered Kristen. Later at the trial, Carla testified that Paul had strangled Kristen to death for exactly seven minutes, while Paul claimed Carla beat her with a rubber mallet and then strangled her because she had tried to escape. And he also said that as soon as she died, Carla went upstairs to fix her hair. So, like, to me, they both sound very believable. I mean, it does take five to seven to ten minutes to to manually strangle someone. So, like, that makes sense to me. But it also sounds like Carla's personality type to, like, brutally murder someone and then, like, go upstairs and just pretend like, you know, you were doing housework. So, she had evidence of both injuries mallet yeah there was everything. definitely strangulation but like i guess she was already pretty battered from yeah, three days three of days abuse of torture yep um Kristen's naked and bruised body was later found in a ditch on april 30th she had been washed and her hair had been cut off hmm. and they later asked why why did you cut the hair off was it a trophy and they said no because they thought that would um, make it difficult to identify her which like I don't know about that. I think that's a bit strange. Yeah, that's a bit weird. Color and Paul had been questioned by police multiple times, especially in connection with the Scar- Scarborough rapist investigation, as well as claims of Paul stalking multiple women, as well as Tammy's death. So they had a friggin' list up. Like, Did these people they have jobs? Uh, yeah, he was an accountant at one point, but he lost his job then. And then I think he worked for another company. Um, and I don't know what Carla did. Okay. I'm it, just trying to I put, never, trying Oh, to no, she was a vet nurse. She was a vet nurse. Oh, so she's still a vet yeah, nurse. She's, yeah, she's a vet nurse. So, yeah, I'm just trying to put together, like, so they're, they're, they're leading these very normal lives. Normal they're life. They're going to the office. They're going to the yeah, vet they're, hospital. They're young they're and they're good looking. and the family over for yeah, dinner. Yeah, totally. You know, this is all going on in the basement. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, they're like serial killers. Um, The pair soon applied to have their surnames legally changed to Teal after a villain in the 1988 movie, A Criminal Law, A Serial Killer. At the end of May, one of... That's a weird thing to do. It is like, let's be more douchey and obvious. Are they married at this point? Yeah. Yeah. They're married. Yep. (laughs) Um... At the end of May, one of Paul's friends reported Paul to the police as a possible murder suspect. So at this point, um, Kristen and Leslie's bodies had been found and they were kind of like connecting the two. Um, Mm -hmm. 
and obviously the poli- the police then made like a separate investigation, a, a separate task force for these two girls. And somehow his colleague, so, yeah, one of his one of Paul's colleagues were like, he seems really sus. Like he's a suspect. Okay. Yeah. Like, because he was also worth- like a predator. He he stalked. He would like openly like jerk off in front of like he's a creep he's a piece of shit wow yep um december 1992 forensics finally were able to test dna provided by paul three years prior 27th of december 1992 isn't it amazing that in 92 they could do dna so it it was probably much more primitive yeah um it's amazing that they've been able to do this for like 30 years right like all the the false um death sentences for people who are innocent i mean it still goes on but oh yeah hopefully a lot less now. yeah well there's a new technology coming out in forensics all the time it's really exciting mm. um uh, 27th of december 1992 paul beat the shit out of carla oh which led God. to carla was this a regular thing um think? or was this like a first time i th- i think he was also always abusive because he did have history in the past of physically abusing his girlfriends but okay. this time like it he was particularly beat, bad r- yeah carla like was beaten with a flashlight and so like all around her head and her shoulders and stuff okay um she went to the hospital and uh well she went to the hospital after her work colleagues were like dude you need to go to the hospital she's like no i was in a car accident and they're they're like no we don't think so go to the hospital um she ended up going to the hospital and then she eventually while she was at hospital she um filed charges against paul he was arrested but 24 hours after he was released 26 months. It's a risky thing to do to file charges Completely. against him because they have got so you were like, much tied up in each other as yeah, far as crime it's is It's like, concerned. don't piss the other off because you've got a lot on them. Yeah. Like, exactly. They could spill. They could be like, cool, I have videotapes. Or like, you want you want to know who the rapist of the Scarborough rape, rapist is? It's my husband. Like, here's okay. your proof. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but I think, it, I don't, I think she was a dumb stupid girl and she was angry and hurt she's like okay well if paul can do that i can do you know what i mean yeah just acted on impulse yep 26 months after paul's dna had been tested it came back confirming paul to be the scarborough rapist wow the police pulled carla in for further questioning where she focused on the abuse paul had given directly to her later that night carla freaked out and she broke down and told her aunt that Paul was a Scarborough rapist and that they were both involved in multiple murders. Oh God. 11th of February, 1993, Carla met with a lawyer who sought for full immunity in exchange for her complete co- cooperation. This obviously was denied due to the multiple tapes showing Carla taking part in the rapes and murders. 17th of February, Paul was finally arrested. On the 18th of May, 1993, Carla was arraigned on two counts of manslaughter. Paul was charged with two counts of kidnapping, unlawful confinement, aggravated sexual assault, and first-degree murder, as well as dismemberment. Wow. 
The videotapes were said to show Carla sexually assaulting female victims, having sex with a sex worker, and drugging an unconscious victim. This showed Carla as an active participant in all the crimes. So obviously at this point they're not considering Tammy's death? Yeah, uh, sorry, they they reopened Tammy's death. Wow, okay. Yep. I think there was like 70 hours worth of videos or something ridiculous. Okay. Um, The two were obviously found guilty and imprisoned. In 2000, now this, guys, this is where it gets cray cray. So, in two, oh, in two thousand, yeah, crazy. oh, yeah, sorry. Okay. In 2005, <laughs> Carla was released from jail. Really? Yep. Um, That's. And people okay. were so outraged because she was really, she was, she was really good in jail. She got an education. Mm-hmm. Um, she was quiet. So they released her. Wow. But here's the fun thing, guys. <laughs> There is a Facebook page that I've been following now for, I think, three years, and it's called Watching Carla Homolka. Guys, join it. Okay. It has, there are stalkers around Canada who actively follow her and take photos of her whereabouts. So post- everyone knows Everyone knows who she all is. All the time. She is like, she's a battered, skinny, ugly looking woman. Um, the latest photos of her were she was, she. I think she wanted to volunteer at a kindergarten oh yeah no there's photos of her like surrounded by toddlers because guess what you need a background check and a police yeah well that's it well everywhere she moves now people like give her death threats and everything so she changed her name or is she still teal i think she's still look i there was rumors she's changed her name but people still know her as carla like and also, um, Paul's parole hearing is coming up soon. Really? Like, real soon. So, yeah. what's it been? 27 years? Something around, yeah. But they think that he's going to be re- released pretty soon. You can also find information on, like, updated recent information on Paul on the Watching Color Homolka facebook page i'll have to join that it's amazing can i ask a question yeah the body that they put in the concrete and put in the river did they recover that yeah they found i think well her shoe went missing at the site where she was abducted okay and they found an ortho orthopedic ortho what are those things Mm, you put in your like a uh, inner soul yeah like a god jackson has a an orthopedic something I don't yeah, know. yeah yeah they found one of that f- one of them floating through the river and then they kind of were like this matches this chick and then they they found i think a boy who was fishing or something found like a foot or something and they then they did like a whole river search and they found the rest and they found the blocks of concrete yeah. and Jeez. body parts yeah and oh no and plus dickhead um so he bought cement from a hardware store mm-hmm. And didn't throw away the receipts. So, like, when the police did the the search warrant of the house, which I think took 71 days, they found Whoa. the receipts leading to bags of cement. Like, it was a 71-day search. And, 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 and he, he's not out there building a patio. There's, there's just grass. No, they're like, cool, man. You've got, like, suspicious... <laughs> <laughs> like six bags of cement and there's no you, there's no construction in your there's house no construction the bags are empty <laughs> blah 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 <laughs> yeah and constructed yeah. plus you've got all these videotapes of you raping women so you know two plus two <laughs> equals a dickhead 
<laughs> so guys, that's my story. Oh my god. It's really god. gross. Go have a shower or something. Go have a cold shower. Um if you see any blonde people on the street, avoid them. If you got if your this kids Melbourne, have Barbie dolls. Yeah, it's the peninsula, <laughs> everyone's white. Um if your kids own any Barbie dolls, go and put them in the furnace now and melt them. Um what else? If you know anyone called Carla or Paul, um, disassociate. It's a lot of Carlas and a lot of Pauls. Yeah, I know. Mm. Uh, I think that's what they call. Um, uh, what do you call it? What do you call it, Chris? Um, discrimination. Oh, discrimination. That's a word. Okay. Yep. Sick. Uh, okay, that story was nuts. Yes. I'll post photos on Insta of the of the couple on their wedding day. Ugh, I feel like I have a bunch of questions. Um, well, I'll give it my best shot seeing that I literally finished this this paper. I definitely feel an hour like ago. like I could do a deep dive into completely completely so a lot of the times like you know murderers that we talk about especially the men they usually end up dying in prison yeah how is his health oh um i've seen recent like um courtroom sketches of him and stuff and like photos he's healthy he looks fine he looks older he looks weathered but he's still like he's okay a normal looking guy like i reckon if he entered society people probably wouldn't recognize him but like he definitely has a look like he has really piercing blue weird eyes like that's one thing i took from photos of him is he looks he has like freaky eyes but uh yeah he looks pretty healthy i mean he's no ivan malat like he's not like this decrepit little skeleton he just he looks like he's probably had a good time you know he's probably gotten fit um i know he probably uh, got a lot of shit you know from prisoners who you know the whole code like you're a child rapist and murderer raping children yeah Yeah, like he probably would have been on um like solitary i think yeah he probably would have had to be yeah 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 yeah. just protection and shit but hopefully the prison guards are like nah you know what let him out yeah gross put him out in the yard for a few hours all right well should we take a break yep cool thanks This, this story is quite cool. I find this story quite scary. Not in the usual way that you would find stories to be scary. What, like, like grammatically scary or something? No, I wouldn't even go near it if it was grammatically scary. Good I just, job, that would girl. Just, that would just set me off. Yeah, no. same. <laughs> <laughs> Getting a gag reflex happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, what I'm saying is like, you know, this is not a haunted house. There's no mist in the graveyard. Okay. You know, nothing like that. It's completely different. Like realistically scary, like going to a hospital is, and all the lights being way too like no, bright and none it of makes that. it like this sickening. Is scary for a completely different reason. Let me mm. tell you a story about Claire Nelson. Nelson, Claire Nelson. And I didn't know about this story until I I sort of came across it. I was going to do a survival story about somebody else. Ooh. And then I stumbled across this one. I was like, this is mad. This is crazy. This is gnarly, bro. So I got my... Um, 
I got my information from uh, bbc.com, Wikipedia, the YouTube channel True Stories, New Zealand Herald, Daily Mail. Oh, it's Mail. Kiwi. Yes, and TVNZ. Cool. Ooh, I love... So... Oh, oh, I... Th- this isn't the case. This isn't the case of the family in the house and the girls, quote-unquote, possessed, and they all, like, do a mass... Um, uh, begins. Uh, what's the thing that? Well, the answer is no, but that sounds really good. <laughs> exorcist, a huge no, exorcism. No, 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 no. It's a survival story. This is rad. Okay, listen. All right. <laughs> so Claire Nelson is a freelance travel writer who grew up between Auckland and Wellington. Mm-hmm. She's an outdoors loving kind of person and she left New Zealand in around 2005 to travel Europe and Canada. Damn that life. I don't know how people can just like travel. It's right. In their 20s. What I, do you do? That's what I did. So on. Yeah. And um, you just you just do it and you just you just live on like no money. <laughs> But I'm doing that now when I'm still on the peninsula. <laughs> you, you'll go. We'll tour. One oh, day, no, I'm sorry. One I, day no. we're going to tour. Yeah, we're going to do a tour. But no, my dad. Um, and then we'll have no money. And we'll- I, yes, <laughs> we'll have an actual excuse for having no money. No, but I'm going to China, Israel yes. and Italy in June. Yes. Aren't you going to Amsterdam as well? I was going to Amsterdam. What? Turns out it's in the completely wrong direction oh, <laughs> to where we were actually going. I did, that did kind of occur to me when you were telling me where you're going. I'm like, mm, that seems kind of out. The way. It's like, mm, Esther, do you know geography? I'm like, no, Gemma, I don't. I went to a Christian school and they don't believe in it. I am going to take you to Amsterdam. I've been twice. Oh my God, and my it's, dream, my dream. It's such a lovely, lovely city. Yep. Okay, so Claire, uh, while she's living in London, she meets an Australian woman named Natalie Saunders, Saunders mm. and an American man named Lou Laurenta. Mm-hmm. The three of them travel around Europe and later they keep in contact by meeting up in different locations all around the world. Cute. They describe her as being a great friend, a confident, brave person and having a great sense of adventure. In May of 2018, Claire heads over to the US where Natalie and Lou live. Mm-hmm. They live in California near a place known as the Joshua Tree. Oh, like the band. Well, or the movie or the TV no, show. It was a. It was uh, the Joshua Tree was a famous album by U two. Oh, U two. Yeah, Disgusting. it was like their big album, like in the eighties. Yeah, right. But it's actually it's an actual place. Bono's the worst. <laughs> you know, Bono wrote a bibli a bibli a biography of himself interviewing himself. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's called Bono on Bono, it, and it's like Emphasis him no. questioning like. Asking himself questions and then him answering them. That's I'm glad I'm you such I'm a glad you bag. asked that, Bono. Oh, thanks, Bono. <laughs> Excellent question. You look Bono. really handsome today, Bono. Oh, thanks, Bono. <laughs> yeah, disgusting. Can you hear me, Bono? <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> anyway, so the Joshua Tree is a desert landscape. It's a beautiful place with amazing views, but the landscape is really unforgiving. It's got high temperatures and rugged, dangerous terrain. Lou and Natalie are planning to go travelling in Scotland. So they've invited Claire to house sit for them and she can explore the area while they are gone. They That's tell so her- fun. It's so cool. I would love that. So yeah. cool. And they had cats. Oh, So they wanted to babies. stay with their cats. So 
Of course. Yeah. They tell her before they leave that there are some amazing opportunities to hike in the area. However, she needs to take care. To give you some background, the Joshua Tree National Park is in southeastern California, east of Los Angeles, near San Bernardino. <gasps> Bernardo. That's really weird. <laughs> is that a sign that I we're going to so like win the lottery or that. something? It was not even. Yeah, uh, that was so crap. It'd be funny it. if you just Love went oh, San Bernardino. What? And there was no, like, connection. <laughs> I was like, okay, girl, whatever. So, um, and it's near Palm Springs. The term Joshua tree refers to the, the trees native in this area, which can live for hundreds of years. And the way it looks kind of reminds me of um, the Whomping Willow from Harry oh, Potter. Cool. But they're a the bit desert? like that. Yeah, they're like desert versions of so that. they're like spooky old Yeah, they're a trees. bit weird. So it's got long, sharp leaves on like the sharp big, leaves? lumpy hand bits that whomp you. Okay. <laughs> That bits. can be a whole name. <laughs> the name of the episode. The Wompy. The big hands that womp, womp you. <laughs> the big. <laughs> Look. Womp stop you. calling me. Or are you going to get womped? <laughs> womped and then piffed. <laughs> <laughs> so it's got long, sharp leaves and is also sometimes sometimes called Isote de Diaz. <laughs> Isote de. Desierto. Can I read it in Australian? Yes. Where's the line? It's called the Desert Dagger. No, where? Where uh, is this? Here. Okay. Uh, it's also sometimes called Isote de Desiderato. Nailed it. Thank you. Which means Desert Dagger. Mm. Encompassing a total of 790,000 acres, the park includes 429,000 acres of designated wilderness. Wow, that's fun. AKA middle of nowhere. The park includes parts of two deserts, the higher Mojave Desert and the lower Colorado Desert. Mm -hmm. The desert features huge and ancient boulders, which makes it popular for rock climbers. There are designated paths for hikers, and it's also a place known for having a great view of the stars at night. So amateur astronomers will go there for that as well. Nice. Um, animals in the area can include, and I just purely put in this. Good. Because we are, we do want to know. Yeah. Golden eagles. Ooh. Lizards. Cute. Ground squirrels. Babies. Jack rabbits. Cute babies. Giant desert scorpions. Honey. <laughs> Coyotes. Oh, little babies. Bobcats. Meow, meow. meow. <laughs> Desert tortoises. Oh. Tarantulas. Honey. And of course, snacks. Snacks. Danger noodles. Danger noodles, yeah. Winters can bring daytime temperatures to around 29 degrees in the day and freezing at night. Mm. In the summer, the evenings are okay, uh, although the daytimes can hit up to 40 degrees. So it's a crazy hot It's kind of like Melbourne at the moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. So even though Claire is an adventure, adventurer, she is the type of person who prepares and knows the desert is a place to be careful of your surroundings. Yep. She's quite excited about hiking in the area. And this one day she's looking forward to a hike that's going to be approximately 10 kilometers long. Oh, that sounds so exciting. I know. In 40 degree height, that's <laughs> great. I love it. With huntsmen and <laughs> desert scorpions. 
and ground squirrels. No, that's I. I, I would happily lay on the ground and let them all just cover my body. Um, and it's, this hike is going to take about six hours. Ugh. It's called the Lost Palms Oasis Trail. Okay, it sounds kind of cool. On May twenty second, she puts together a day pack including three liters of water, <laughs> a first aid kit. And two tubes of sunscreen. Oh, mate. A lot of sunscreen. I would have three liters of lemonade, um, toothpaste. <laughs> um, I would have like these weird little Korean chocolate biscuits that I the love. The little panda bear ones? No, they're called, um, uh, they got like chunky chocos or something. So just completely unhelpful. <laughs> <laughs> and I would bring a boom box. <laughs> And I'd bring a whole wardrobe because I'd do like a Priscilla Queen yeah, of the yeah, Desert yeah. photo shoot. <laughs> You're not going on And I'd hike. bring you. And then I'd bring my car. <laughs> and then we'd have to call Chris. Can you go and get it? <laughs> <laughs> so Lou, the guy, has given her a timber walking stick to take with her. She drives out random. to the walking track. It is a bit random. At first, she's like, <laughs> a why do you want to take this? And he's like, oh, it's good to hike with a stick. And, and it has like, to okay. be timber and it has to be facing south at all times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so she drives out to the walking track and gets going. It's a very hot day and she finds the track to be a bit more difficult than she had expected, even though it was only described as a hike of moderate difficulty. Mm. A couple of hours in and she stops to take a drink. She realizes she's lost. Oh, mate. Um, so she's walked off the trail and what she's walking on is actually a dry riverbed, not the walking track. Oh, that's scary. That's like the Blair Witch when they where they realize that they've just literally been going in like a circle. Yeah, yeah. She tries to find her way towards what she thinks might be the right direction. However, she comes across a piece of ground that's unstable. She puts a bit of weight on the ground to test it and she falls, landing on her back. She has actually fallen six meters downwards. Gross. She has shattered her pelvis and she's also broken her foot and she's sprained her ankle as well. Yuck. She tries to call emergency services, but her phone is out of range. So basically she's in like this crevice between like rocks. Like it's almost like a canyon. So it's like that movie 127 hours. Or yes. Yeah. Really similar. She literally can't move. She's just laying on her back. This is gross. <laughs> she tries over and over to call emergency services with her phone. She's but probably with Taustra. That's why they weren't working. (laughs) But she soon realizes she is completely alone. As soon as she can put her thoughts together, she knows she had to get into the shade. She tries to pull herself over to the shade of a rock, but hears a clicking and crunching sound coming from her injury. And she knows it's not possible to move. So she's stuck, unable to walk on her back in the full glare of the summer sun. The next thing she does is to take out her digital camera and start filming herself to leave a record of her experience for her family in case they found her body. In the first scene, she's in a state of shock. Is there footage of this? Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, like they've got her camera and there's all the footage is there. Awesome. Uh, She says, this is not where I expected to end up. And she's 
she takes a few breaths. You can tell that she's she's really hot and she's in a lot of pain. I literally do the exact same thing about half an hour into my shift. <laughs> I just lay on the floor and film myself. Guys, I don't know if this is going to make it. <laughs> I'm hot. I'm in pain. Uh, she says, um, this is not where I expected to end up with a shattered pelvis in the desert. I might die here. I'm really scared if that's the case. And I don't know what to do. I can't get a signal out here. I called for help. No one's out here. This is the stupidest thing I've ever oh, done. God, but you would like you would sit there and be like realistically and logically thinking, what are the chances? Yeah. You're, you're, you're down a crevice, mm-hmm. off the track. Mm-hmm. Like, Unable to this move. Is very, this is very likely to bad. end in death. Yeah, and the only two people who know where you are are in Scotland. Yeah, nah, that's like a nightmare. I'd just be worrying about who's going to feed the kitty cats at home. <laughs> did cross my mind, actually. <laughs> of course I did. <laughs> if it was anything like Miss Vanjie, she'd be like, um, excuse me, it's been three hours. Oh, Mr. Pants, snacks. right on six o'clock, will Literally. yell at me from the other end of the house. Like, honestly. Yeah. Right on the dot. I don't know how they do it. Whether it's like a change in the light or something, but like right they on know. six o'clock. It's they like, know. Uh, knowing she can't get up and she can't get out of the sun, she applies sunscreen to her legs, which are exposed to the sun with her hiking stick. Oh, mate. So lucky she took it. It's like it. icing a cake. Yeah. Basically, she's just like, bleh. I wonder if you'd eat the tooth, the sunscreen. sunscreen. I don't know if that's good. Lucky idea. the sticks timber. That guy knew. <laughs> she takes some headache pills to help with the pain of her broken bones. Oh no! A night goes by, and with um, and with what looks like a very positive attitude, she talks on the camera about hearing bats and that she hopes they don't come for her. Why would you be positive about that? She's just. Even though she's like been in the desert with broken bones, she's like she's still hey guys, full of like um I'm in this crazy position. Oh mate. Like she's just got this really positive attitude, which whereas you and me would be like Life's a shit scattered. sandwich yeah. and we're about to die. <laughs> Life is a shit sandwich. <laughs> We'd be like, I want you to scatter my ashes. <laughs> Und- I want my cat, um, my body Frankston to be consumed by my cat. <laughs> <laughs> I want all my possessions to go to my cat. Yeah, we'd be like literally just looking on the dark side, like yeah. cursing Satan. Yeah. But she's like, hey guys, I'm day two of possibly about to die. She's like, just she's like, oh, crazy. There are bats approaching in the darkness, yeah, and but she's you like, know. No, she's like, oh, hope they don't come for me. And I'm Hashtag like, America. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> Uh, so a night goes by. She's also aware that coyotes hunt in packs at night and she's at risk of being their next meal. Oh, she thinks she's seeing snakes in the darkness and shines her light over the area, but there's nothing there, thankfully. Do you think she's starting to hallucinate? How long has it been? Uh, Only a few hours. She does start to hallucinate. Not quite yet. Mm. Uh, as um, It was quite a fight with the heat today, she says to the camera, but I'm not letting it win. Okay, I mean, it will win eventually. Well, Claire looks up and sees two birds of prey circling oh, above her, waiting for her to die. That's that's not a good sign. 
she begins to hallucinate. Here we go. Thinking she can hear the sound of an ambulance or helicopters. Unfortunately, no one knows she is missing and there's no one looking for her. She figures out ways to make use of the things she has in order to survive. She was in full exposure to the sun for about six hours per day. So she fashions a shade cloth out of a plastic bag, a hat and her hiking stick. She covers her legs with SPF and clothing while she shades her face with the stick. Mm. Claire eats the last of her food, which is just one boiled egg. She is running out of water and knows she won't last much longer without any fluids. She decides to save her urine in a bottle of water and begins drinking that. She continues to film herself and shows the urine in the bottle and it's quite a dark color. Mm, Dehydrated. Yeah. And she mentions that she has kidney pain. Oh, God. So after another night, her videos show her becoming more pale and she's also becoming quite emotional. Mm. Uh, She's like kind of crying and she's Uh, sort of... You'd be like pooing yourself and stuff too. Yeah, I did wonder about that actually. Um, She is beginning to realize that she may in fact be in a life or death situation. Mm. Uh, Meanwhile, Natalie and Lou notice that Claire has not been updating her social media over the last few days. They know that she would have been posting the things she was seeing. She's a travel writer. Yeah. So they start to worry that she's got herself into a dangerous situation. They contact the Joshua Tree National Park to tell them that they think their friend could be in trouble somewhere in the desert. That's random. Like, surely you'd think about contacting police or something in that area to go and check on your house. Like, it's amazing that they're like, the first thing they think of is contact the rangers. Uh, I think it's logical because they knew that she was going to spend a lot of time hiking. I don't know. If I had someone babysitting my cats and... I'm like, cool, they're living in my house. I'm sure they're exploring the area. If I had a suspicion that something was wrong, I would definitely call for someone to check on on the house first. That's before true. Contacting, I mean, she's like, just, parks as, and rec. just as likely to have slipped on the kitchen floor. Completely. Or like someone's broken in. Like I'd be worried. I'd think of the house straight away. I think it's random that they contact parks and rec before they... Well, it's lucky that they did. And I'll tell you why. So random. So the park rangers go out and they find her car near the trail. Mm. And they know it's been there a few days because they chalk the t- the tires every day okay. to log yeah. how long the cars have been there. Yeah. So they take to the air and start searching the trails near her car. Mm. Claire at this point is getting close to real trouble. She's tired. She's dehydrated. She's hurt. And it's just, it's not looking good. She's drifting in and out of consciousness by this point. It's been four days. Yuck. And, and what's the the max someone can live without water? Well, they say a week? three minutes without air, three days without water and three weeks without food. Yeah. So it's it's been four days and three nights. Her camera runs out of batteries on the morning of the fourth day, actually, as she's doing like one mm. of her recordings. She hears a voice coming from the sky. The voice is speaking over a PA system and it says, we are looking for a missing hiker. She's so dehydrated, she can't even cry. Oh my God, can you imagine (laughs) not being able to yell out? Yeah. She manages to lift her stick with the bag attached and waves it in the air. 
she can hear the helicopter come towards her and then it goes past. Yeah, of course. She hears it fly past again and it goes past again. (sighs) It's so stressful because if you think about it, they can literally like be looking from the sky like just a fraction to the left of where she mm-hmm. is and that that in in retrospective that's like meters and meters from where she is on the ground yeah so like they could literally get distracted by something else or like turn to face one of the pilots or something and miss her exactly like literally it's such blink. a yeah uh so she um the third time the helicopter comes past she hears them saying we see you we're oh. coming to get you Claire drops the stick and covers her face as she realizes she's going to be okay. Yeah, but you also, like, part of you, I reckon, would doubt it if you, you've been hallucinating for four days. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she was probably in a state of just disbelief. Like, yeah, complete, like, blankness. <laughs> uh, they fly her to the hospital and she has to undergo emergency surgery for her injuries. A few days later, Claire was reunited with her friends Natalie and Lou. In the interviews I saw, she was describing her ordeal from a wheelchair as she recovers in New Zealand. Claire says she survived because she was not ready to die and because of stubbornness. Mm. Search and rescue officer Manny Romero said Claire was able to survive this because she had the mindset to survive. And that is the story of Claire Nelson's survival. That's Fruit Loops. Yeah. Hell yeah, another badass lady. And I just had to um, give an acknowledgement to the Daily Mail for this crap news heading. Oh, this God, I don't want to know. This is literally all I took from this article, and mm. I just I, I clicked off. Hiker, 36, reveals she drank her own, oh. in capitals, urine <laughs> to survive in searing 40-degree desert after she fell and broke her pelvis. I hate it. I hate It's like um, there's a recent article out now that's circulating that's like the Chinese virus and then it capitals pandemonium. And it's like, you racist pricks. It's just, yeah. Like, how do they... I don't... Like, BuzzFeed journalists, how do you... I don't even call them journalists. Uh, which period, which, I don't know, which don't flower relates to your cycle, blah, blah, blah. Um, which celebrity is you in a different <laughs> life? Like, how do you how do you get paid for this shit? Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of think they just let the work experience kid do it. I hate days. it. Um, yeah. Actually, the work experience kid at this radio station is, is better than all of those journalists put together. <laughs> Um, right. Not just saying that because she's your daughter, Chris, but she's oh, yeah. actually <laughs> awesome. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she's a cool girl. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, guys. That was uh, that was a really good episode. I'm, that was, I'm yeah. pretty stoked. I'm feeling um, a little bit I'm, – I'm full of urine. I actually do I, – I don't know why there's so much urine, urine in me at the moment. Urine. I'm – you're in trouble, Gemma, <laughs> for saying such a great story. Thank you. <laughs> uh, cool. All right. Yep. Well, until next week. Until next week, guys. Um, stay spooky, ooky. Um, I've got some podcast recommendations, though. Um, obviously, Hunter Warhead, uh, Hunting, Hunting Warhead. Warhead. Yes. Um, I think it's called Chasing Cosby. It, oh. It's about Bill Cosby, and it's insane. I'm a 
addicted to it. Um, hang on, I'm going to go because I've just been like. There was cold. We all listened to cold. Cold is great. That was nuts. But God, it's oh, long. It's so long. But completely worth it. Cold is amazing. Yeah, that's um, about it's the, about the Susan Powell case. Um, his appearance and surrounding insanity. He's. I hate him. I, I hate, hate Josh. So what uh, was that? Finding Crosby. A chasing Crosby. Chasing Cros- Cosby. 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 Jesus Christ. Chasing Cosby. Cosby. Bill Cosby. <laughs> chasing Cosby. Hunting Warhead. <laughs> Cold. Cold. Um. Um. All right, guys. Be creepy. But don't be a creep. Don't be a creep. Follow us on the, all the social medias. We're on Instagram. We're, We're on, on Facebook. Facebook. We're on iTunes, Spotify. Um, Stitcher. Stitcher. Pocket Cast. Pocket Cast. And the RPPV website. R double P. V. V. See you guys. But this number kept FaceTiming me and I was so angry because I'd answer it and it would just go to like a black screen and I could hear someone like moving around and I was so, and they kept doing it. I kept hanging up on them. They kept calling me back. So then I blocked their number, but then like their voice, their normal call thing started calling me, even though I'd blocked them. And so I texted them and I'm like, who the fuck? fuck are you stop calling me i'm at a gig and then <laughs> and then they wrote back sorry esther right what? it was from an unknown number and they're like sorry esther so i'm like they know me but i don't know who this person is so then i called them back and i got their voicemail and it was this irish accent and he's like i can't come to the phone right now leave a message and i'm like he hasn't even left his name i don't know who this person is so i i called them again and again and again and then i messaged and i'm like who are the who the hell are you and it was my old boss who was a chef and he's like i'm so sorry i sat on my phone and i treated him so badly (laughs)